0: you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 1 through 31 this morning as Ethan, uh, Baxter, excuse me, I'm so used to Ethan reading it. Baxter, uh, as Baxter has already read for us before we began our, began our worship through song. And as you make your way there, um, I want you to let you know that, there, that we, we all have stuff in common, don't we? We all have stuff in common. Like first off, everybody in this room, if you're a human being, you have that in common. Congratulations, we all have something similar, right? But we also have some other things in our lives that we have in common as well. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how old you are, what age group you are, what generation you're a part of, we've all experiencing, experienced things in life that we have in common that are similar. So, for example, um, many of us have experienced evil being done to us in our lives, haven't we? You've experienced evil in this world, haven't you? It doesn't take very long to figure out that there is evil that exists In our world. Now, evil is something that is profoundly immoral or wicked. And and one of the things about evil is we see evil, bad things, both inside and outside the church, don't we? Huh? Take that, yeah, think about that for a moment. See, evil that takes place both inside and outside the church. In fact, my home was uh, kind of smitten with an evil this. A couple weeks ago, I think actually last week, when uh, one of our children was being bullied on the bus. Yeah, you want to talk about Daddy Bear coming out. Y'all thought Mommy Bear was bad? Daddy Bear was about to come out. But we've all, maybe some of you have been bullied in your life. That's something that's evil. That hurts, doesn't it? Maybe some of you were bullies. Uh, Recently in the news, in fact, did you know in Malden, uh, we've had some gunshots that went off in our city limits over there by Club Epic. Club Epic itself is an evil in our society right now we've seen uh, especially in the church as well in the church we've seen the abuse that's taken place in the church right and the Southern Baptist Convention is not different we have also suffered from the abuse of people we see evil wear in the church and it's always been there so for example let me give you a, let me give you a story about one of my favorite pastors he, he, they actually call him the Prince of Preachers. Preachers Preaching his name is Charles Spurgeon And one day, Charles Spurgeon was preaching in a music hall. And there was tons of people that would come to hear Charles Spurgeon preach because he could really preach the word. And evil took place this one particular day on October 19th, 1859, when somebody in the crowd yelled, fire! And in that moment, the crowds began to rush out the door. They began to stampede. I can picture it in my head. It looks like a... You remember the Good Friday uh, shopping sprees that you see on the news when they open the door, and like all those massive people are just trampling over each other. I, I picture that as people tried to evacuate the building as this individual yelled and lied fire and that, that particular day there was many injured and a few were actually killed in the stampede. So we see evil where everywhere we've all experienced evil we've all had evil done to us. And here's what happens in our lives. So so we've all experienced some type of evil. Maybe we've been bullied or maybe we've had something bad happen to us in our life. And so what happens is as human beings, we always try to find an answer to evil, don't we? We always try to find a, a remedy to evil. We always try to find a cure to the evil that we experience and even the evil that we sometimes do to others. And this text gives us a very clear piece to the remedy To the cure for our evilness. And his name is Jesus. That God sent Jesus to remedy the evil in our lives. God sent Jesus to cure the evil that we experience. And also the evil that we have put upon other people in our lives. And so the idea behind John's gospel. John has written this gospel with the point that you would believe in Jesus today. But not just simply believe in Jesus, but believe in Jesus in such a way that you trust him with your life. And when you believe in Jesus with your life, your life gets changed to be like his. Did you hear that? You see, our belief reflects our action. Our belief reflects what we do in life. So if you believe that Jesus is the savior of the world, then you live like it. Hello? You live like it. So let me show you. Let me, let me walk you through this text. And let me first, We're first going to ask the question to ourselves, where does evil come from? So we're going to answer that question, and then we're going to see the answer to our evil and the remedy of evil in our lives. Everybody good? You tracking with me? All right, so let's take a look. Let's start in John 7, 1. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would, no longer, he would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. So Jesus already knows that his life is in danger by the Jews. Now the Jewish feast of booze was at hand, so his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples may also see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be Known openly. Okay, so if you're a highlighter or you're an underliner in your Bible, known openly would be something you might want to highlight or underline. All right? After that, he says, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. So another aspect, are you want to highlight or you want to underline? And so the reality is that that Jesus' brothers come to Jesus, and they say, listen, Jesus, you need to make a name for yourself. Go to, the, go to the feast and, and teach and show people who you are so that they can know who you are. Make a, make a name for yourself. Become a famous because show yourself to the world. If you really are the Messiah, show yourself to the world. And why did they say this? Because of verse 5. It says, For not even his brothers believed him. So even Jesus' own family, in this particular moment, didn't even believe that he was the Messiah. Now, we do know that they eventually, some of them do believe, right? James is a brother of Jesus. He believes, and we actually have one of his letters in our scriptures today. And so they're, they're asking Jesus, or Jesus, elevate yourself to the world. If you really are who you say you are, show the world. Now, look what Jesus does. This is his answer to our question of where does evil come from. Jesus turns and says to them, my time has not yet come. But your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are, what's the word? Evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. Here's the reality, brothers and sisters. Listen. You want to know where evil comes from? It comes from us, from human beings. We are evil people. Now I know, I know that hurts our minds because we actually think we're not so bad. But in all reality, the Bible says that we're evil people. We're evil people because of our fallenness. We're evil people because of our brokenness. We're evil people because of our sin. And so without Jesus in our lives, we are prone to do evil things in our lives. That's where you experience evil and that's where you've done evil to others. And it comes out of our sinfulness And really, if you want to dive deeper into our sinfulness, the the reality is that it comes out of our selfishness too. You see, when Jesus finally goes to the feast, look what happens. He, He begins to get in there on verse 14, and it says this, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. And the Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied, right? So in this time period, who you studied under determined your fame, Oh, I, was, I studied under so-and-so. I studied under this particular rabbi, and so that was how you got famous. And so Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but it is he who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. Verse 18, check it out. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own what? Yes. In other words... When you don't believe in Jesus, you are prone towards doing evil because you live life out of your own selfishness. In other words, you live for your own glory, not for the glory of Jesus. You begin to think in your life that you have the authority over life, not Jesus. And that's when we are prone to do evil. So you're like, I can see y'all, y'all, y'all are spinning it around your mind. So I'm going to give it to you in my, in my own world, all right? All right, so I like to watch... What they call mockumentaries. So think of The Office or Parks and Rec. Okay, some people love them, some people hate them. I get it. All right, I'm the guy that loves it. So there's a in Park and Rec. Uh, Park and Rec is a, a movie or a, a mockumentary. It's it's a it's a fake documentary about a uh, about an office that is a part of Parks and Recreation office. Okay, and there's two staff members. One's name is Tom. And the other is Donna. Now, by the way, no relation to anybody in here whose name is Tom or our secretary whose name is Donna. And these are, these are people in the show, okay? So I'm not comparing our secretary or any Toms to these two people, all right? Just wanna make that clear from the beginning. And every year, Tom and Donna, they go out and they have a day to themselves. And the day is called Treat Yourself Day. All right, so you might be saying, well, what is Treat Yourself? All right, treat yourself is a day where they spend the entire day treating themselves to whatever their heart wants. So I remember the picture is right, so, that, so that it's a documentary. So you have Donna and Tom and they're looking at the camera. And so Donna says, Oh, we want to buy clothes? Tom says, Treat yourself. She says, We want to buy fragrances? Tom says, Treat yourself. Donna says, If we want to go get massages, Tom says, treat yourself. If we want to ride in a leather limo, Tom says, treat yourself. You see, here's the problem with who we are as believers. In our evilness, we always want to treat ourselves, don't we? And when you try to treat yourself, you begin to put yourself in the place of Jesus. You see, that, that, that all, all that sounds really good, doesn't it? Like in our natural evilness, we, want, like, we like that idea. We like the idea of whatever I want in life, I'm going to get. Like some of you right now, you're sitting there thinking like, man, I can't wait for this service to get over because I'm going to go have lunch and I'm going to treat myself. <laughs> treat yourself. That's the mentality of our culture. That's the, that's the basis of our evilness is that, is that we want to have the authority of our lives. And, and the reason we want the authority of our lives is because we want to seek our own glory. And when you seek your own glory, that is when you begin to sin against others. So let me give it to you this way. I find that the days that I want to treat myself are the days that I'm at my worst. It was because I put myself on the throne of my heart, not Jesus. I tell Jesus, I don't want your glory today, I want my glory today. So I'll give you a a case in point into the bell home. Are you all ready for some transparency? It's always nerve-wracking when you're a pastor and you give your people transparency, but here it is. The other day, a couple weeks ago, Katie was going to have to work later throughout the week because she wanted to go and spend a Friday afternoon with one of our children, which is totally fine. I'm all all cool with that. But here's what happens. In order for her to spend a little bit extra time on Friday, she has to make up the time when? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Now, I don't know if y'all know this, but many of y'all probably do. I'm a workout machine. Like, I love to work out. I'm a CrossFit junkie. I have it in my garage. I do it all the time. It's just the way I relieve stress, and I just grow and think. It's my best thinking time is when I'm in the CrossFit gym. In fact, that's probably when I get most of my good sermon ideas. So one day, Kate, that particular Monday, Katie couldn't come home early. So if Katie doesn't come home early, then that, guess what that does to my time? What did I just say? My time. Treat yourself, time, and I wanted to treat myself to a workout. Have you ever tried to work out with four crazy kids? Right, so like, just picture I'm in a squat position, and Daddy, I need milk. Would you wait a minute? Right, Daddy, when's dinner gonna be ready? Daddy, so and so pushed me. Daddy, Link is running into the road again. Somebody get that kid a leash. So, what ended up happening to Jeremy's treat yourself moment? I began to get selfish. I began to put Jeremy on the pedestal and I took Jesus right off of it. I made G- Jeremy greater than Jesus. And so, what, what happens in that moment when I decided to treat myself instead of serve others like Christ has served me? I started to get mad at my kids. Started to resent my children for a little bit. I started to snap at them, yell at them, just leave each other alone. Why can't you just be normal? So guess what happens? So I'm upset because I wanted to get my workout on, right? And then guess what? My wife comes home, and what happens to Jeremy then? Well, now Jeremy turns that anger on Katie for a little bit. Where have you been? I'm like, this has all happened because you want to take the Friday off, right? So I begin to turn on to Katie. And so my selfishness... My seeking my own glory in that moment, what did it it respond with? What reflected out a heart of sin towards my family? You see that? Now here's what happens. So Jesus confronts them on that. Oh, you do your own teaching and your own authority because you're seeking your own glory. Your evilness has caused you to be selfish. And in that selfishness, you do evil to each other because you're a bunch of sinners. He calls them sinners right here. Check what it says out in verse 19. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. What does he call them at that moment? Sinners. Why? Here's what happens when we become the authority in our lives and seek our own glory, we begin to call out the sins of others. We begin to judge them. In fact, these people began to judge Jesus. That's why Jesus says in verse twenty four, "Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment." What were they judging Jesus for? See, here's what happens, right? So in that in that moment of selfishness in my life, I, I, I began to I began to judge my children, like, "Why can't you just honor your father and mother and let me work out?" Right? I mean, what you want me to tell you what I said to Katie? I'll be honest. I say, "Why can't you just submit and not do that?" And let me work out. Yeah, don't say that. Men, don't say it. I'm just telling you. I almost had to come sleep on this pew. (laughs) But that's exactly what we do in our selfishness. Because it comes out of our sinfulness, our evilness. And what happens in that moment is when we begin to criticize others. It's the moment we begin to judge others. So they judge Jesus. Look what he says. The, The crowds answer him, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? And Jesus says... I did one work, and you marvel at it. And the work that we see that he did in verse 23, he says, you are angry with me because on the Sabbath, I made a man's whole body well. You know why they were angry at Jesus? Because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. You see, in the authority and then for their self-glory, they turned and said, our Savior had sinned. Hello, by the way, our Savior can't sin. He couldn't sin. Because if he did, he couldn't pay our penalty as sinners. But that's exactly what happens in our selfishness and our evilness is we immediately begin to judge others instead of what? Looking at ourselves. Now, Jesus is really cool here because he just calls him out. (laughs) Look what he says. 22, Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath... If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Here's what happened they turned the tables. And their authority that led to their unbelief, that led to their selfishness, that led to their evilness and sinfulness, they turned and said, Jesus, you have sinned because you healed a whole, a, a, a whole person's body on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, wait a minute, you guys don't get it. If a, circum- if a boy was born, they were to be circumcised a certain amount of days after they were born. I think it's eight, right? And so what would happen is, is if you were born and eight days later, you were a male, you were still going to get circumcised on the Sabbath. Because they believed that that was a part of the covenant sign. So they circumcised people, boys, on the Sabbath day anyway. And Jesus is like, wait a minute. You circumcise a, a boy on the Sabbath and you're going to criticize me and call me a sinner because I healed a whole man's body on the Sabbath? Are you out of your minds? I don't think he says that in here, but I think in his mind he would have said, are you out of your minds? Because when you become the authority then you become the authority over everybody, right? And that's where our evilness stems out of. So in essence, when we are doing evil and we have a treat yourself day, we end up being the greatest lawbreakers, don't we? So you ask yourself, is there any hope? Is there any hope then? What do we do? Well, the good news is in this text, we have a remedy. Did you know there's a cure for your evilness? His name is Jesus. I know that's church answer, right? Like, that's like, oh, so profound. Like, church answer is Jesus is the cure for your evilness, for my evilness. That's why God sent Jesus in the first place. God sent Jesus for you and me so that we could move out of our evilness by putting our faith in Christ and begin now to move into godliness. Did you hear that? When you believe, you start to move. So Jesus, in four times in this text, over and over again, I think this is the main thought, four times in this text, Jesus says, God sent me. Look at verse 16. My teaching is not mine, but is he who sent me. Look at verse 18. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true and in him there is no falsehood even in 28 when people begin to question if he is the Christ he proclaims with them in verse 28 you know me and you know where I come from but I have not come of my own accord he who sent me is true and him you do not know verse 29 I know him for I have come from him and he sent me you want to know the remedy for your sin? You want to know the remedy for your evil? For the evil that's been done to you and the evil that you've done to others? His name is Jesus. The Father sent Jesus for you and for me. And when Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, the authority in your life begins to shift. So no longer do you put Jeremy over Jesus, God begins to turn and puts Jesus over Jeremy. And as Jesus becomes more over Jeremy, then Jeremy begins to live for Jesus' glory, not his own. So see, here's what happens. Most of you, when I tell you a story about me doing my, my, my sinful thing in that moment, when I decided to treat myself to some weights, back in the day, I would never thought twice about it. Before God started to really change and work in my heart, I would have never thought twice about what I did. I would have been justified. Well, my kids should have honored me. My wife should have gave me my time. I know. She's not in here. I'd be sleeping on the pew tonight, too. (laughs) But you see, what ended up happening is that next day, I couldn't couldn't rest. You ever had your soul in turmoil? Have you ever had that? You know, like, like you just... Like it just was bothering you. Something was eating at you. And so I, I started to pray and have my quiet time. And I recalled what Jesus had done for me and what Jesus has done for you. It was in that moment, it was re- revealed, I reminded myself that of the gospel. Jesus saved me from that sin on that, on that particular night. Jesus saved me from my own selfishness. Jesus saved me from my own glory. But Jesus didn't want me to live in evilness. He wanted me to change to be more godly. So, in that next day, I went home and I put all my kids and my family around the dinner table and I said, Listen, guys, Daddy sinned against you yesterday. All of you, honey, Katie, I sinned against you. I took my anger out on you when I should have been loving and sacrificing myself for you. Kids, I'm sorry. I decided I wanted to treat myself instead of raising you in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Would you forgive me? You see, what happens is, two things happen when you begin to trust Jesus who was sent by the Father for you. Number one is you begin to change to be like Christ, so you ask for people's forgiveness. And number two, when evil has been done to you, you learn how to forgive like Christ has already forgiven you on that cross. Do you see the difference? So I sat with my family and I asked them, for forgiveness I said I exalted myself over exalting Christ in my life see here's what I think happens though here's what I think the difference is between some of us in this room you see for some of you in this room who don't have Jesus you're not going to seek the cure for some of you haven't put trust in in the one who God sent for you you'll never ask for forgiveness and you'll move about your life like nothing ever changed Like nothing ever happened. It's because you can't ask for forgiveness until you know that you've been forgiven in Christ. That's why God sent Jesus. You know that, right? God sent Jesus to die for your sin. And in dying for your sin, when you put your trust in Him, you are finally able to live for Him. Some of you can't forgive Because either you're immature in your faith or you don't have any faith and you don't realize that God sent Jesus to forgive you. The whole idea is that Jesus is the remedy for our sin. Jesus is the remedy for our evilness, both the evilness that we've done to others and the evilness that has been done to us. He's the cure, brothers and sisters. Now, here's this this lets you know. I love this about this text because four times, as we've seen, four times in this text, Jesus says, I have been sent by God. I have been sent by God. I have been sent by God. You see that four times, right? I just showed it to you. You see, we're, you know, do you want to know one of the reasons that we're, we're losing the younger generation of believers? Do you want to know one of the reasons that young adults are leaving the church at rapid speeds? You want to know why? Because they bought into a belief system that's been there all, all, for a long time. It's an old belief system. But they bought into a belief system that's this. It's called deism. You see, when I talk to people that are, that are non-believers, if I say, can I pray for you? They're like, yeah, pray for me because I believe that God exists. And a lot of our young people believe that God exists. The reality is they don't believe that God is actually doing anything in the world. They believe that God has disconnected himself from the world. And so if there is no God that's connected to the world, then what, how do you live? For your own glory, with your own authority. But in this text, we see four times that God is active in our world. He's so active in our world that he sent his son into the world to die for the world. Do you see his action? And the reality is, not only does God want to be active in the world, God wants to be active in your life. God wants to be active in your life. He wants to move you from your evilness to godliness in Christ. Isn't that beautiful? God is alive. God is working in Christ, and he wants to change you. So here's, here's, here's one of the things to do today. Today, if you're a person in this room who has never believed or trusted in Jesus, I want you to know that today Jesus is reaching out to you. He wants you to believe. That's the whole purpose of John's gospel is to get you to believe in Jesus. He doesn't just want you to trust in him. He wants you to trust in him in such a way that you actually begin to live for him. And he will cure the evil that's been done to you and the evil that you've done to others. And he will help you make it right. So if today's the day you're wrestling with Jesus and Jesus is opening your heart, this is what I want you to do. After the, after the close of the service, I want you to call me this week. Call the church office and ask, say, hey, Jeremy, how do I take my next steps to following Christ? And I'm going to get in contact with you. We're going to sit down and we're just going to start to disciple you and help you think through this. All right? And I will show you how Jesus can change your life. But there's, a, there's a, a, another principle here for the new hopers in this room. Are you ready for this? This is what I love. Are you ready? Just as the Father sent Jesus, for those of you who believe in Jesus, Jesus is sending you out. All right. It's going to get a little weird in here already. Christianity has not come sit in a building, Christianity. Christianity has come be equipped to be sent out. Jesus is an example for us. Just as the Father sent Jesus into an evil and hate-hostile world, Jesus has told his disciples at the end of John, I'm sending you out to do the same. What do you think about that? Jesus is sending us into a world that hates us in order to reach this world for him. Now, I'm going to share with you something really cool. Are you ready? I'm going to show you. Since I got here, I prayed that Jesus would make New Hope a sending church. Now, some of you know this is coming. Some of you don't know it's coming. And that's fine. Just be surprised. I prayed, God, make us a sending church. Just as Christ was sent from the Father, four times we see that in this text, I want us to understand that our relationship to Jesus makes us be sending churches as well. So can I show you what God has been up to? Thank you. Check this out. Watch this. If God is sending you to Boston this week, or this uh, coming up this summer, I want you to stand up. My Boston, my Boston tripper, stand up. Go ahead. All right, Brian, Paige, and Madison are also going. They're in Virginia right now. And Miss Claudette is also going. So look, six people, New Hope, we're sending out just like Jesus was sent to us. Pretty cool, right? All right, thanks, have a seat. If we're sending you to New York this summer, stand up. You can't see Ethan, but he's in the back standing. And Will is in the nursery going as well. Just as Jesus has been sent for us, so we are sending others to the world have a seat New York if you're going now check this one out I don't see it. there she is if you're going to Zimbabwe this summer to take the gospel to people who have never heard the gospel people who have never seen a white face would you stand up yes and John Kubia is also going with Sandra or Sandra's going with John Kubia as well he's in Alabama with his son this weekend did you see what just happened? We're they are mimicking Jesus. All right, you ready? Final one. Final one. If you are ready and excited about reaching Malden and Simpsonville with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are a sent one. You're not sent to Boston, New York, or Zimbabwe. You're sent right here in our own home. And if that is you this morning, if you are saying, I am ready to reach this community, that I am ready to be sent out as new hopers in Malden to reach our community, why don't you stand up? Come on. There they are. Look at my new hopers, our new hopers. Do you see that? God is turning us into a sending church, not just to the ends of the earth, but right here in our own community. And the reason is because you are mimicking Christ who was sent for you. Isn't that beautiful? Let's stand up. Everybody stand up as we close. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray over all of our new hopers, everybody who is being sent, because you are mimicking the gospel. You are mimicking exactly what Christ has done for us. And then Ethan is going to lead us in song. So let's pray as we praise God for turning us into a sending church just as the Father sent Jesus into this world for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, it's so surreal to see the people who are going. Something that I've prayed, that that our staff has prayed for, that our church has been praying for. Lord, I remember making a comment when I first got here almost two years ago. Actually, two years ago. And I said, Lord, make us a sending church to where we would tithe our membership. And this year, we are sending 12 people. You answered our prayer. Lord, just as you sent Jesus into this world for our sin, into a world that hated him, into a world that was evil because he called us out for our wickedness and our evilness, but he came so that he could die for our sins so that we could be saved, that we could be made new, that we could be changed, that we could be transformed. Lord, it's on the basis of this message that we go likewise and do like Christ did for us. Yes, this world hates us, But it doesn't matter because we are coming with the truth of the gospel. We are coming with the authority of Jesus and we are coming to glorify Christ in our lives, in our community, in this world and reach people with this good news. I thank you for those who are going to Boston and New York and Zimbabwe. And I thank you for all who stood and are ready to reach Malden and Simpsonville just as Christ came to reach us. Continue, Lord, to make us ascending church so that you would get the glory, not us. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious holy name.